morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. I'm so glad that you're with us today. Um, we are continuing on in our series entitled Training Camp. And the whole idea behind this series is, is that you and I have a chance to get ourselves in shape so we can be more useful for the kingdom of God. There's football practice going on right now, getting ready for the season. I know nobody's aware of that in this crowd, but if you were just hypothetically interested in football, um, you would know that people are having two-a-days, and one of the things they are working on is endurance, because football seasons are long, and a lot of teams start out really good, but then you let the injuries pile up, you let uh, fatigue set in, and a team that started off on top just slowly drops. And so coaches are constantly working on endurance, because we don't only need to be good for a day, we need to be good the whole season. Well, that's certainly true in football, but it's also true in the Christian life. And if you and I are going to live godly lives, we need to work on endurance, staying in the game. And today I want to talk with you about that. Can we have a word of prayer, please? Lord, I pray that you will bless this day. I pray that you will speak, that you will move me out of the way, and that you will teach us some things that we need to know about endurance. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way, Lord. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. If you need a pen, by the way... Uh, fill in the blanks, take some notes. Uh, please raise your hand. One of the ushers will be glad to bring a pen to you. Today, we're going to be talking about endurance, and I want to introduce a word. You can just write this at the top somewhere, and it's spelled kind of weird. This is a Greek word. I hardly ever do this, but this word is a word you need to know. H-Y-P-O, like hypodermic, um, and M-O-N-E. And the way it would have been pronounced in the, originally in ancient Greek would have been, this would have been like a U sound, so it would have been hupomone. And it just means endurance is how we would translate that. Or steadfast, being someone who is steadfast, not giving up. And it comes from two words, hupo and mone put together, which mean uh, under and remain. If you and I can endure under pressure, and remain over time, we are said to be people who can endure. And endurance is valued. It's valued in sports. It's valued in living the godly life. And so today, as we talk about this, this is going to be really, really important. We're going to come back to this again and again. Because the people that are useful for God's kingdom are people who can do those two things. They can keep their faith and keep their head under pressure, and they will remain faithful over time. Those are useful people. This is training camp. I think you want to be useful for the kingdom of God. I do. That's why we're here, to encourage each other. I want to be useful. I don't want to just sit around after I'm saved. I'm saved when I'm 20, and I live to be 80. I've got 60 years. What are you doing? I'm just waiting to die. Nothing to do. There's all kinds of things to do. God has great things planned for each one of us. Well, what kind of people are going to get those plans carried out? People with endurance. Because the Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. Can anybody verify that besides me? Yeah, yeah. We've got to learn to endure. So at training camp, there are endurance drills. So think of this kind of like an endurance drill to help us get our heads right so we think about life rightly. I mean, they don't talk in training camp, hey, this season's going to be over real quick. They talk about, hey, this is a long season, another rep, another sprint. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Build it some endurance. Let's go, let's go. When, uh, in the fall, when we would come back from summer break and, uh, for basketball, and uh, we would have laps around the track outside, then laps around the gym, and then we'd run sprint after sprint, 
And beginning of the season uh, conditioning drills, there'd be trash cans set up around the gym. You could run over there and throw up if you needed to. Just take your time. Now get back in line and run again. Nobody even made any apologies for it. Well, come on. Let's get going. That's the way it works. If you didn't do enough training during the summer, you're going to have the pain right now. Let's go. This is going to take endurance. The season's long, and we need to get our legs and our lungs and our arms ready for the whole season. With that in mind, let's jump into this outline. First of all, you and I need to know that we will have trouble in this world. A coach reminds his players, hey, the season's long. You're going to take a lot of hits. If you don't do the stretching, if you don't do the training, you're going to tear muscles or you're going to pull muscles. You're not going to be in shape. We need to do all this and we need to condition ourselves now. It'd be foolish to think you could go through the football season without anybody ever getting injured, without anybody getting hurt, or anybody ever getting tired. That's ridiculous. It's a grueling season. It's hard and it's long. Well, we've got to think that way about the Christian life, too. If you've been told or you're under the impression you come to Jesus and it's all just cookies and cream the rest of your life, it's not. And if you don't like cookies and cream, choose your favorite flavor, okay? It's not that way. For you and I, when we follow Christ, we're going to face difficulties, And we're going to need to be able to handle those. In fact, you'll see today, God uses even those difficulties to train us. How do I know that we'll have trouble in this world? John 16, 33, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Right after he's told them he's going to go prepare a place for them, right after he's had uh, parting words and a parting meal with them, here's what he says. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. When Paul was writing to Timothy, a young man that he had discipled, He said, Timothy, remember this. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Peter, Jesus' disciple, said, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Now, if you're a student of the Bible... This should make you almost laugh out loud that that is written by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4. I mean, that's just hilarious. Why? Because Peter was the one, and you can write this in the margin, Matthew 16, 21, you can write it down there. Jesus, when he had told his disciples near the end of his ministry, we're headed to Jerusalem, and I'm going to go there, and the chief priests are going to put me on trial. I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die. Matthew 16, 21. Um, For those of you who didn't catch that the first time, you can look that up later. But the idea is simply this, is that uh, Peter, it comes to him. Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. And Peter goes, not you, Lord. Lord, we're not going to let that happen. That can't be right that you suffer. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, strong words coming from Jesus. Because Peter completely misunderstood why he came. He said, Peter, I have to go through this. I'm dying so you can live. I'm going to suffer to pay the penalty for your sins. And he gathered all the disciples together right there. And you can read it later. But he says, sit down. You need to listen to this. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. You lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. You got to pick up your cross every day and deny yourself to follow me. Jesus never said that following him was going to be cushy and easy. Can you imagine going to a football training camp and they're going through endurance drills? Here, here's a recliner and here's a cool drink. Sit back and relax. This is going to teach you endurance. That's going to teach you to be fat and lazy. Lord, I want that kind of endurance. Instead of hoopamone, if they change that to heap of money, then I'll be fine with it, okay? Well, that's not what we're selling. 
Jesus was saying, no, you're going to have difficulty. Paul, hey, you're going to, anybody who wants to be godly is going to face persecution. Peter says, don't act like that's something strange. I mean, we don't need to act like it's something strange. Paul was shipwrecked and beaten. Jesus was crucified. David, King David, the guy who killed Goliath with a sling of stone, had to run for his life from his own father-in-law for years. Moses had to wander through the wilderness for 40 years because of the sinfulness of the people. That was after he'd endured 40 years, ostracized from his people because he'd flown off the handle and killed an Egyptian in a fit of rage. Joseph, the one who rescued all of his brothers from a terrible famine, was sold into slavery. We call it human trafficking these days. He was captured and sold. And then later, unjustly accused of a crime he didn't commit, went to jail. God used all of that because in jail, he was able to interpret the dreams of some of Pharaoh's officials, which elevated him all the way to the highest position in Egypt. In fact, you go through the Bible, every single person, Daniel, Joseph, Moses, David, any person you name, they all went through suffering. Jesus himself. And so I just want to start there. We're going to have trouble in this world, but we shouldn't think it odd. We should never have said, hey, following Jesus means I'll never have a problem again. And if you ever hear anybody saying that, that's not what the scripture says. You can, there's plenty more I could put in here. In fact, you'll see this as we go through. And that brings us to point two. Even though we have trouble in this world, point two, God wants us to live godly lives anyway. This is Peter, the same guy, again, <laughs> this is the same guy who told Jesus, surely not. Here he says this in 2 Peter 1, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you, you can underline this, that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We can have God's divine nature. Jesus was willing to die on the cross for my sins and for yours. Willing to die, willing to suffer. Man, I want to be like that. I want to be, have a strong enough character where I'm willing to suffer for the cause of Christ, willing to die to help other people live. I'm not there on my own, but there are some wonderful divine promises we have. And Peter reminds us of this. First of all, here are three of them today. We've gone through this passage. That's kind of this Second Peter 1 is our key passage for this whole training camp series. Every week we've been going through some promises. Here are three more. First of all, God promises to always be with us. Even though we're going to have to endure hard times and we're going to go through trouble in this world, we're never going to be alone. God promises to be with us. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? I could have put a lot of passages in here where the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But I don't think anybody says it any better than, Roman, than Paul did in Romans 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or we're threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have a great promise. If I'm going through hard times 
And some of you are today. You need to hear this promise that the Lord is with you right now. I meet people sometimes and they go, I'm so angry at God. I don't know where he is. I'm going this hard time and I don't think he even knows it. I go, well, he's listening in. Tell him how you feel. I don't even tell him. Tell God how you feel. Tell him you're mad. Oh, I don't want him to know that. Well, he knows. You just said it. He's listening. Let's tell him. Well, if he knows I'm going through it, then why didn't he just get me out of it right now? I go, well, that's a different story. And we'll get to that, by the way. That's coming up in this outline. There's some good reasons why God might allow us to go through some hard things. But the first thing you and I need to know is the Lord goes with us. There's no problem you and I face where the Lord won't see us through. Could be an illness. Could be betrayal of a friend. Could be people mocking us because we're a Christian. Now you're the Bible lady or Bible thumper. Or you're that judgmental Christian. Here's the Holy One. All these things could happen. Jesus says, I mean, it happened to him and his disciples. Peter said, don't be surprised if it happens to you. But the good thing is, the Lord goes with us. The Holy Spirit inside of our hearts, God is always with us. Night and day, 24-7, he knows what's going on. And if you think about it, that is such a comfort. If there's anyone in the whole world who knows what it's like to die, it's Jesus. Knows what it's like to suffer, Jesus. Knows what it's like to be rejected by friends, Jesus. Knows what it's like to be poor, Jesus. Misunderstood, Jesus. Celebrated one day, hated the next, Jesus. I can keep going. And Paul says there's nothing that can separate us from him. That's a great promise. Secondly, God also promises to reward our sufferings. If we suffer for following him, God promises to reward us. Jesus himself said this, Matthew 5, 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, say all sorts of evil against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. Why? For a great reward awaits you in heaven. That's why. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. In heaven, we'll be rewarded if we suffer from following Christ. Now, Peter also makes a note on that. Again, the Bible's very clear on this. Note, top of the next page. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. I remember talking to somebody one time, they lost a job because they were late all the time. They said, well, that's just my cross to bear. I go, that's not your cross to bear. You lost your job because you were late. Let's make that clear. You were lazy. You didn't get to work on time. That's why you lost your job. That probably would not have gotten me an A in pastoral counseling, okay, in seminary. But it's the truth. If you and I suffer rejection and we lose friends because we're gossips or we're hot-tempered or we say foolish things a lot, well, then we're losing friends because we're gossips and hot-tempered and say foolish things a lot. That's not what we're talking about here. And there's no honor in that. Those are things we talked about last week with self-control. Please see sermon last week, okay? Those are things we need to work on. The stuff we're talking about today is Hey, Lord, I'm doing the best I can, and people are still misunderstanding me and rejecting me. Or I'm still going through hard times. It doesn't have to only be rejection. I could be going through an illness I can't explain. Or it's really a setback. And Lord, this is hard. Or I lost a good friend. And God, I'm, I can't get through the grief here without your help. This is hard for me. Well, how do we deal with these setbacks? And what the Bible promises is, when we're going through hard times, Jesus understands us. Even if you're going through grief, Jesus stood outside the tomb of his friend Lazarus and wept. 
And he knew he was going to raise him from the dead in a few minutes. If there's anybody who understands grief, it's Jesus. He knows. Not only that, he promises to reward us if we suffer for following him. Here's a third promise. God also promises to cause all things to work together for our good. Even the things that seem horrible and hateful and angering now, things that just will destroy us, God says, I can use that. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I mentioned Joseph a few minutes ago, sold into slavery by his brothers, accused of a crime he didn't commit, sent to jail. Later, he was elevated to the second highest position under Pharaoh. He was Pharaoh's right-hand man. He ended up saving his brothers from starvation when a great famine hit. And what's so incredible is then later on in their life, after Joseph had rescued them, they were all convinced that Joseph was one day going to get even with them and punish them for that horrible thing they did 20 years, 20 plus years earlier. And so they came to him and said, please don't hold it against us. And here's what Joseph said to them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. How do you know that some of the hardships you are going through today, how do I know that some of the hardships I'm going through right now today aren't going to help me be better prepared or put me in a position where I can do great good five years, 10 years, 15 years from now? How do I know that some of the things I'm working on in ministry won't outlive me and some of those benefits are even carried on after I die? I don't know and neither do you. And we have to remember that God has the long view on things. We'll hit that in a minute too. His sense of timing isn't the same as ours. But today I just want to remind us that endurance is important. Under pressure over time. The people that God can use understand that and embrace that. And that when God brings hard things in our lives and allows them to remain for a while, he must be getting us in shape. I got to trust the coaches in training camp when they're making me run those sprints and I'm leaning over the trash can and other things that they're getting me ready for the whole season and not just trying to punish me. And believe me, some of the times when we went through those training things, I wasn't sure. There are times that we feel that way with God, too. We go, can I really trust you, God, because this hurts a lot. I hope that this is a pep talk for us today, that we can trust him. He's getting us in shape. He has useful things for us. And some of the hard things that we're dealing with right now are just setting us up to be used five years, ten years down the road in situations we can't even imagine yet. And that brings us to point three in your outline. Endurance makes us more useful to God. People who endure under pressure over time are useful. I want to be useful. The point of training camp for football is get in shape. Build up your endurance. That way you'll be useful in game one. You'll be useful in game ten. We can put you in the game. You're not out of gas. You haven't pulled muscles because you stretched. You've gotten in shape. It's the way God wants us to be. Peter continues, 2 Peter 1 again, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. The promises he'll always be with you. He'll reward you if, there is, uh, if you're being mistreated. Uh, he will cause all things to work together for good. In view of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence is knowledge. Knowledge of self-control. Self-control of patient endurance. Please circle patient endurance. That's what we're talking about today here. Endurance. We talked about those others in the weeks preceding. And then patient endurance with godliness. Godliness, brother, aff- 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 sorry, affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the goal here. 
But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sins. What would you say to an athlete who went to training camp and said, yeah, I'm not doing those endurance drills. I'm in good enough shape already. You won't be by mid-October. If you and I are going to be useful, time to get in shape is right now. Two good reasons why endurance matters. First of all, endurance helps us mature in our faith. Helps us mature. God wants us to be more mature and complete. Romans 5 talks about this. Paul does. James 1, James does. Let me read both these passages. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's Romans 5. Here's James 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Mature. This is what God wants for us. To be mature and complete. And so hardship allows us to mature if we allow it. Well, how does that work, John? Well, some of you have seen this illustration before, and I don't mind using it again because we need to be reminded of this. I have a cup right here in my hand, and you have no idea what's in this cup because you can't see in it like I can. The same way with the attitudes in my heart. I sometimes don't have any idea what all is balled up in my heart because I can't see in it. I mean, it could be coffee, it could be juice, it could be water, it could be milk. You don't know. But here's a good way to find out. All I have to do to find out what's inside the cup is bump it. By the way, it's water. Last time I used this, I got several emails. I hope you didn't ruin the stage. It's just water. It's okay. Okay. So just want you to know. <laughs> All right. But the idea is there's water in this cup. I know it because I bumped it, and that's what came out. Whatever came out is what's in the cup. Think about hardship and testing the same way. When God wants to refine us and mature us, he allows us to go through some hard times. We get bumped. If I go through a hard time, an unexpected illness or setback, criticized by friends, go through something and ugly words come out of my mouth, a fit of rage, pity party, I'm going to know it. And that gives me a chance to say, oh God, you got to help me overcome this. Hard times help us mature if we're willing to learn. And that's what James, that's why the perspective makes sense. Rejoice when you go through hard times. Now I know what I need to work on. I thought I was doing better on that. Apparently not. And we can deceive ourselves. I'm on a day and we've gotten eight hours sleep, ate a bowl of Wheaties, plenty of money in the bank. Oh, it's easy to be nice to people. But man, you have a day when you're not feeling good and that guy cut you off in traffic today. I'm still mad about that. And the dog got out, and my spouse wasn't meeting every one of my needs. Man, I said some ugly things. I don't want to be that way anymore. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me for this. Show me how to change. I want to be useful. See, if I get rid of that short temper, if I get rid of that sharp tongue, if I get rid of that pity party attitude, I'm going to be much more useful for the kingdom. I mean, how useful to the kingdom, for the kingdom am I if I got bad attitude all over me? Not very much. I'm not very useful. Neither are you. 
So you mean God could use hard things in my life to show me what I need to work on? You betcha. And that's what he's doing, if you and I will accept it. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you said some things this week, and you did some things this week that actually surprised you. Well, that wasn't very mature. And you might have had a loved one tell you that, which really even kind of made it harder to take. That's a kindness, if you look at it the right way. Because if I want to be useful for God in bringing people to Jesus, I need to get rid of those things. So then I can be under pressure and say, hmm, Lord, thanks for using that pressure. That kind of forced something out of me that needed to be dealt with. Thank you. The other thing is, if I remain under pressure, the things that I'm taught now, during a hard time in my marriage, a hard time through an illness, a hard time through a business reversal, a hard time because people are making fun of me for being a Christian, well, my goodness, I'll be much more useful later on. You know, when we were doing all those training drills with the trash cans and stuff, getting ready for the season, at the end of the practice, I remember we would have these uh, sprints that we'd run. And during the sprints, after all the practice, hours of practice, when our legs were about ready to give out, we'd run and run. And then in the middle of the running, coach would stop and grab somebody. You're on the line. Here's the situation. One second left on the clock. We're down by one. You've gotten fouled. One-on-one situation. So you, if you make the first one, you'll get a second shot. You make the first shot, you tie the game. Second shot, we win. You make both of them, we stop running right now. You make one, we run for another five minutes. You make none, we're running until I get tired. And he never got tired. And so we'd get on the line, somebody'd get on the line, and we're just so tired, and they'd get up there and they'd brick it and they'd bounce off. Get on the line and run, and everybody's talking to him, make the stupid free throw. What's the matter with you? And all these things. And then you'd grab somebody else and they'd do it, and then everybody'd be mad at that person for a while. And I remember after during one of these drills, one of the guys on the team said, Hey, why are you making us do this now? We're already played out. Why are you doing this, coach? And he said, Time out, you guys need a break anyway. Let me tell you this, that's a really good question. I've got a really good answer for you. First of all, understand this. If we're at the end of the game, like I described, down by one, if it's the end of overtime and you've already played 45 minutes of basketball, you're not going to be fresh as a little daisy. Okay? You're going to be just as tired as you are now. So this is the only way I can simulate the situation. Secondly, it's going to be a pressure situation with a whole stadium, a whole arena full of people expecting you to make the shot, and they'll be mad at you and mad at me if you miss. Now, if your teammates are mad at you, I can somewhat kind of simulate that, all the pressure. Thirdly, he said, never make this mistake. And here's the key point. And this was one of these gems I got out of running sprints, amazingly. These, it's a life lesson. And he said, this is a lesson that will serve you well your whole life if you'll understand it. He said, sometimes when people miss that free throw at the end of the game, someone will come up to me afterward and say, well, coach, it's okay. That young man, he built some character out of that experience. He goes, let me tell you, that's not true. He said, pressure situations reveal character. When we're building character is right now today when we're running the sprints. The endurance is built now so that you're ready to step up when the moment comes. My job is to get you ready. And if you'll do the hard things through your whole life when no one's looking, you'll be ready when they are. I think Paul and James would go, Amen. 
Do you want to be ready when God gives you that moment when you're supposed to be sharing your faith, when you can say a word of comfort, when you can give a helping hand? Do you want to be ready or do you want to be out of gas? This is training camp. Let's be ready. It's going to take some endurance. It means strapping it on right now. Not feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, how come nobody's looking out for me? If you're going through hard times, you need help, get help. And we'll talk about that, how we can help each other in a minute here. But understand this, you and I aren't the only, you're not the only one going through hard times. Everybody goes through hard times if you follow Christ. And if we allow it, he'll show us the ugly things in our lives that need to be changed. And he'll use those opportunities to get us in shape for the moment that he needs us down the road. But we have to, rem- we have to endure under pressure over time. couple of life applications. If we're going to go through that kind, if we're going to do this, first of all, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Scripture's clear on this, Hebrews 12. Let us run with endurance. There it is, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated at the place of honor beside God beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. Jesus endured the cross for me. If I have to endure some shame for following him or some ridicule, then I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. If I keep my eyes on Jesus, I'll find strength and peace. If I keep my eyes on me, I'll have a pity party. Another life application, we can help each other endure. Good news is we don't have to go through this alone. Please understand it's one of the reasons we want you to be in connect groups. We can help each other when we go through hard times. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Paul is talking about this right here. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. And then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. See, if you're going through hard times right now, Go find a mature Christian and say, how did you go through hard times? You go, well, how do I know they went through hard times? Well, that's what we covered at first. Anyone who wants to live a godly life will suffer. Find a mature believer and say, well, how did you do it? Well, here's how I did it. Here's how I kept my eyes on Christ. And here's what some people helped me with. They gave me comfort. Let me pass that comfort on to you. And by the way, when we find that, then years on down the road, if we remain, we'll have opportunities to comfort somebody else will be useful in game 11 of the season. I hope this is an encouragement to you today. God has things for you to do that you and I can't even imagine now. But if we will remain and listen and say, God, what do you want me to change? God, what lessons can I learn? Then there will be ways in the future that God can use us to help other people to change and help them find comfort. You are, you are useful to the kingdom. So am I when we think this way. Please be encouraged today. God has plans for you. Secondly, not only will endurance help us mature, endurance is important because God's plans take time. God has a long view on history. I mentioned this before. He always takes a long view. I mean, if you and I are blessed with a child, that little baby is going to take, it's going to take 20 years for that child to become 20. Wait, John, slow down. You went too fast there. No, 
It's going to take 20 years for that child to be 20. You can't teach that child to drive when he's one. You might not be able to teach him to drive when he's 16 either, but that's a different story. Anyway, the whole thing is you can't rush certain things. God takes the same view on my life and your life. He's investing in us, and he's watching us grow and mature. We want things right away. God, give me patience and give it to me now. God, I want to be mature. Okay, keep your shirt on. That'll help. There are some things that can only be learned over time. There are some things that can only be accomplished over time. And we don't want it to take time. God, I'm going through a hard time right now. Take it away. Take it away or else you're not real. Really? Well, then why did all these other people go through hard times for years and it was real? Yeah, that doesn't work. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. Here's Peter writing again. I mean, this is so amazing. Peter, who's chopping off somebody's ear the night that Jesus is arrested in the garden because he can't can't wait. Peter, who said, Jesus, you're not going to suffer. Listen to what Peter writes later in his life. This is so amazing. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Impetuous Peter is telling people it's okay to wait. I mean, God had changed him that much. I mean... Uh, I'm, as a pastor, I'm kind of a Bible nerd, I guess. You know, I'm in the Bible. That just makes me laugh. But anyway, um, pastoral joke, I guess. Anyway, the Lord, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. God is working on the whole universe, and it's complicated. And some things take time. Can we allow that God might have plans bigger than my weekend in store? Could it be that God might be thinking of more people than just me today? Maybe he loves the whole world and sent his son for the whole world, not just me. And once I get the hang of that, maybe I can be useful to help others. That's a long view. Okay, now read Hebrews 10, verses 32 to 38 here. This is incredible. It's written to Christians who have suffered. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, have the long view. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were 